Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. I know this is an old saying, but God is good. And when you say, somebody says God is good all the time. You usually respond with all the time. And then I say all the time and you say God is good. I don't know if you really believe that this morning. But can you say it like if it's true? God is good all the time. And all the time. God is good. Come on, give God a hand clap. Put your hands together this morning. I'm so glad to be with all of you this morning. It's a great weekend, isn't it? Happy Memorial Weekend to all of you. I know a lot of people already took their weekend off and they're out. They're on vacation. They're enjoying their time. But I know some of you are ready to go on that vacation after this service. Amen. You're ready to go spend some time with the family, have a good time. But before we do that, we want to have a good time in the Word of God. How many came ready to receive a word? Last week we started our new series titled Me and My Big Mouth And I told you guys, you know, repeat that with me last week I said repeat it with me because when you repeat it, you realize something That it's about you and your big mouth And not about your husband's big mouth or your wife's big mouth or your child's big mouth it's about me and my big mouth. And all of us have been there, right? We, we all can say that. We've said that many times. So I'm not pointing the finger at anybody this morning. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. It's the truth. Our mouths get us in trouble a lot of times. And can I be honest with you? Because I'm in front of people at least once a week and I hold a mic, I get in more trouble than you guys do. A lot more time. And that happens, that, that's just part of who we are. It's part of our nature. And today we're going to talk about a little more about what our tongues and our mouths have the power to do. Because they are powerful. They are powerful. They are powerful. Say with me, they are powerful. Our words are powerful. You know, I don't know if any guy here, maybe just anybody else has ever done this. You know, you, you've asked a woman before, are you pregnant? Have you ever asked somebody that? Have you ever asked a woman that question? And then you realize that they're not? And you can't take that back. Once you said it, it's, it's out there. And you can't take it back. And I just want to know, I want, want you to know that words are powerful. You know, once they're out there, you can't bring them back. You can say, I'm sorry. You can say whatever you want to say. But once you've spoken them, they're out there and they've done their effect. And today we're going to talk about the power of words. Last week, we began to talk about being quick to listen and slow to speak. Being quick to listen and slow to speak. Say with me, quick to listen, slow to speak. 
maybe I hope that throughout the week you've prayed that prayer to God. God, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak because a lot of us are do the opposite. We're quick to speak and slow to listen. And the reason we do that, we said last week, is because all of us want to be heard and we want to be understood. You know, the moment we, we get into an argument, the moment we get into a difficult conversation, the first thing that we do in that conversation is that we close our hearts, we close our minds, we close our ears. We shut down. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen this morning? We shut down. The moment we're in a tough conversation that we don't want to have, we shut down and we close up. And when we do that, we do it because we just want to be heard and we want to be understood. Amen. And that's the same thing the other person wants. That's all that everybody wants. We all want to be heard and we want to be understood. And that's the reason why we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And today we're going to continue in the book of James, which we were in last week. And that's one of my favorite books. James is one of my favorite books, and that makes more sense in Spanish. I know that if you've never read the Bible in Spanish, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you go to your, your Bible in Spanish, the book of James is the book of Santiago. That's my last name. That's why it's one of my favorite books. Now, it's one of my favorite books because really it does contain with it, within it nuggets of wisdom. It's like the book of Proverbs, but in a short version. And James was a man that spoke about the power of words. Say with me, the power of words. You know, words are powerful. And in fact, words shape our lives. Amen? The words that were spoken to us, words that were spoken about us, and words that were spoken over us have shaped our lives throughout the years. So we're going to go into this message this morning talk about the power words. Let's pray real quick. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be before you. Open up our minds and our ears and our minds so that we can hear your word. And as your word comes into our hearts, Lord, as it comes into our minds, may it do the work that you want it to do in us. May it change us and may it transform us so that we will never be the same again. So that when we leave this place, we can say we will never again be the same person. Because your word has done a work in us. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and tell them, get ready. Because God has a word for you. And you may have your seat. As I was saying, words are powerful. And they shape our lives. Amen. They shape our lives. You know. They've shaped, for many of us, our childhood experiences. Words that were spoken about us, to us, or over us have shaped our childhood experiences. For some of you right now, even words are shaping your marriage. They're shaping your most intimate relationships. If you don't know this, that's what's going on in each and everybody's life right now. Words have an, the impact or the power to be able to give you confidence or to even take confidence away from you. They have the impact to let you see who you see when you look in the mirror. Words are powerful. And sometimes people with no confidence can gain confidence just by words being spoken over their lives. Sometimes people with great confidence can lose that confidence because of words that were spoken over their lives. I want you to know this morning that words are powerful. And people, and people a lot of times don't realize it. But what makes all this difficult about understanding the power of our words is that 
when we speak words or words are spoken over us, these words are not equally weighted. In other words, it depends on who speaks and who says what. That determines the power of the words have on us. You see, and sometimes it's usually the people closest to us that their words have more weight and have the biggest impact on our lives. I've spoken to many people in conversations and counseling and I've realized that sometimes you can tell somebody something and they might come back and tell you, yeah, it's great to hear it from you or from somebody else, but man, wouldn't I have loved to hear, hear those words from my mom or my dad. See, the people closest to us have the most impact with their words. And I want you to know this because a long time ago, a while ago, I took a class in, in speech, uh, public speaking, basically. And I remember that during this class, we were talking about the power that words have on people, the power that words have. And it takes a lot, let me tell you this this morning, it takes a lot for positive words to counter one negative word. It takes a lot for positive words to counter a negative word. When I took the speech class, I was reading this book, and in this book there was one section that was dealing with being nervous in public speaking. Being nervous in public speaking. And that's apparently something that everybody gets. is nervous when they have to speak in front of people. And so over 9,000 people were interviewed, according to this book. They were interviewed and they were asked to list their greatest fears. And here are some of the answers. I'm not going to give you all of them because this is not my preaching this morning. But number one on that list was public speaking. Number two was speaking up in class or in a meeting. And number three was meeting new people. See, and when this book presented this, it was talking about this is something normal. The fear of speaking in public, the fear of speaking in front of other people and talking and using your words is something normal. There's a fear that goes with it. It's, it's at the top of the list of things that provoke anxiety in our lives. And so the idea is that when it comes to speaking in the public, nervousness is normal and there are different ways to deal with it. You can deal with this nervousness, which is normal. In different ways. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter how many times you get up to speak. You always get nervous. And one of the ways that the book mentioned on how to deal with nervousness when you went to speak in public was by thinking positively. Say with me, thinking positively. Now I know that, you know, next to all the other things that you could do to try and manage nervousness when you're talking in front of people, probably thinking positively is one of the last things you want to do. It's one of the last things you think about, actually. But the reality is that when you're getting ready to speak in front of people because the fear is so great and the nerves are so much, you begin to have negative thoughts. Man, I don't know if I'm going to remember what I have to say. What's going to happen if they don't like what I'm going to say? And you begin to have all these negative thoughts that go through your mind. Maybe I'm not the right person to be talking to them about this subject. Maybe I'm not that well informed about what I have to say. And all these negative thoughts can come into your mind and it can go ahead and get in the way of you being able to communicate correctly to people. So how do you counter it? You counter it by having positive thoughts. You counter negative thoughts by having positive thoughts. And speakers, the, the book said, who think negatively about themselves and the speech experience 
are much more likely to be overcome by stage fright than our speakers who think positively. So the author was basically saying you should just transform your negative thoughts into positive ones by countering the negative one with positive thoughts. And I know that sounds a lot easier in theory than it is in practice. But here's what he goes on to say. And I want you to understand the power of words. And here he's talking about the power of positive or negative thinking. He says, psychologists believe that the ratio of positive to negative thoughts in regard to stressful activities should be five to one. In other words, for each negative thought that you have, you should counter it with five positive thoughts minimum. I want you to understand the power of words. These are psychologists talking about this. That for every negative thought, for every one negative thought, in order for you to counter that and overcome that negative thought, you have to counter it with at least minimum five positive. That's the power of words. And even more, they're reinforced when it's negative or hurtful. The words are the same thing. When you speak hurtful words, words that are negative over somebody or to somebody or over somebody, those words, in order to be overcome, to be countered, have to be countered by at least five minimum positive words. And this is important for you to know because hurtful words do more damage than anything else. Hurtful words can do more than encouraging words. And it's hurtful words and it's criticism and it's sarcasm that if we think about it, those are the ones that stick the most in our lives. Those are the things that we remember from our past. The things that somebody said that really hurt us. We take with us for the rest of our lives. And it's hard to get over it. That's why just saying sorry to somebody after you said something hurtful doesn't cut it. It's like slamming somebody's fingers in a door. And then saying to somebody, I'm sorry. You know, sorry, you, you can be sorry. But listen, that doesn't take away the fact that they have to go to the emergency room. And it doesn't take away the fact that there's pain. It doesn't take away the fact that there's damage. And it's the same thing with words. Hurtful words tend to stick. They wound those who hear them. And our words are powerful. And they're one of the most powerful things that we have if you really think about it. Because you can do more damage with words than you can with any other part of your body. That little tongue that you have inside of your mouth can cause the greatest damage to somebody else. And you don't even have to be in the same room with another person to cause damage. Nowadays, we can use social media. We can use other means to speak words over people's lives and to people that can cause damage and can hurt. And here... In this book of James, chapter 3, starting in verse 2, the brother of Jesus, we mentioned last week, wrote a letter to the first century believers, Christians. And he said to them, or talked to them about the power of words. In fact, he said, the greatest, the greatest thing that can come out of us, the most powerful thing that can come out of a human being, are words. They can cause damage. 
You see, you're probably here this morning, and you can think and probably be honest with me about this. The greatest regrets that you have in your life are probably about things that you said. Some of us wish that we could go back, rewind, and take back words that we spoke over somebody that we wish we had never spoken. Words are powerful, I want you to know. And negative words are even more powerful. And James talks about that. James talks about the power of words. In other words, James is saying, man, listen, if we would have listened to James, if we would have known about James and his advice on words and the power of words, a lot of us would have avoided the things that we have said. But here in James chapter 3 verse 2, and we're going to go through verses 2 to 12, but I'm starting in verse 2. He says, this is what James says. He says, we all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Listen, somebody should say amen to that right now. Because James begins by saying something that all of us should be relieved by. We all stumble. Everybody makes mistakes. And especially in the area of talking. All of us at times will say things that we will regret. A lot of us at times will talk way too much than we should talk. This is a moment to say, amen, thank you Jesus, that I'm not the only one that does that. We all stumble in many ways. But I want you to get what James is saying. He says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, James is saying, listen, if you can control your mouth, you can control your whole body. If you can control your tongue, you can control your entire body. And then he gives some examples of how this happens. Of how this takes place. And I want you to get this because these are examples from the first century. And sometimes we read back into the Bible what it doesn't say. But we can have at least an idea of what James is saying. Here's an example of how this happens. James says, when you put bits into the mouths of horses. And I don't know if you've ever done that. If you've ever been on a horse or not. But I, I took a lesson one time with my wife when we were dating. And we, we went to go take a lesson because she loves horses. And she wanted to ride a horse. And I said, all right, let's go. I don't like horses, but we'll go. And we went. And I remember when we got there, we each got a horse. And when they brought the horse to us, these horses, man, were so much bigger than we were. And they looked so much stronger than we were. And I was afraid. I was scared. Because I had heard some horror stories about riding horses. And I said, you know what? I got to act brave in this moment because my girlfriend is right here next to me. And I got to act like at least like, you know, like this doesn't faze me. But anyways, I got on that horse, and she got on that horse, and she's smaller than me. But we both got on those horses, and we rode those horses. And we were able to guide those horses. And we were able to lead those horses. Horses that were much bigger than us and stronger than us, we were able to ride. And the reason why we were able to do it is because they had bits in their mouth. Bits that you could use to control and direct and guide the horse. And this is what James is saying. I want you to get this. Because James says, when we put bits into the mouths of the horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. In other words, if you can control the mouth, you can control the entire animal. It's like when you say things with your mouth, 
those things that you say with your mouth, with your words, can direct the life of somebody or can direct your life into doing something that you probably didn't intend for it to do. But it has power. Say with me, it has power. It has power. Say with me, it has power. It has power. And James says, you know, just that illustration is not enough. Maybe you don't like horses and that illustration won't do for you. But now he goes and gives another illustration. It's like ships. It's like boats, big ships. He says, take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And so these ships, as you can see, he's talking about first century maybe merchant ships, which are huge, made of wood. They were big, and they had this little flap on the back bottom of the ship, which was made of wood also, and it, it would turn to the side. When you took the steering wheel, you could move the steering wheel and you would steer the rudder on the back of the boat. And the ship was huge. The rudder compared to the ship was small, insignificantly small, but it directed the boat. It guided the boat. No matter how strong the winds or, or the waves were, this little rudder, with this little rudder, you could Choose to take the boat wherever you want it to. And James is saying it's the same thing with the tongue. The tongue is like that rudder. The tongue is like that bit in the horse's mouth. It might seem insignificant. In fact, we don't even pay attention to our tongue. We don't talk about our tongue much. We don't even see it much when we look in the mirror. But the truth is that it has the most power within our body. It has great influence to determine direction and destination it can determine where you will end up just like the tongue has great influence to determine the direction of your life I want you to know what James is saying here he says verse 5 likewise the tongue the tongue think about it in relationship to your body the tongue is very small it's the smallest probably it's only about probably four inches for most people. Four inches long. And it, you can't see it. And there's a fun fact about tongues. There's a fun fact about tongues. And the fun fact about tongues is that the muscles in the tongue never get tired. You have about eight muscles in your tongue. They never get sore. You know, you can go to the gym, work out, and immediately, you know your muscles. You're like, man, I'm sore today. From working out, from lifting things, from using those muscles, you get sore. But how is it that we can talk all day, use our tongue all day, and it never gets tired? Come on, some women can say amen to that. They really never get tired for them. That shouldn't surprise any of us. But you see, James is painting a picture. He's saying like a brill in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a ship. The tongue has the power or the influence to direct people's lives. And even though it's a small part of the body, it makes great boasts. Our tongues control the direction and the quality of our lives. Can you turn to somebody and tell them your tongue is powerful? Tell them your tongue is powerful. I didn't know if you knew that this morning, but your tongue is powerful. And because it is so powerful and it has so much influence... It has the influence to direct your life, to guide your life, to lead you in life wherever you want or don't want to go. He says, 
verse 5, at the end of verse 5, consider the great forest that is set on fire by a small spark. And I wish I had a lighter here because I would turn the lighter on and I would show you with a little flame. With just a little flame, you can start a fire. And then that fire can turn into a big forest fire. It can get wild quick. And it can destroy so much in little time. And I remember growing up, there was these commercials, you know, to help us be aware that we had to be careful with fire. And there was this bear called Smokey the Bear. You, you remember Smokey the Bear? Smokey the Bear, they're celebrating 75 years of preventing wildfires right now. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Smokey. But listen, Smokey always used to say one thing. Only you can prevent wildfires. Only you can prevent wildfires. And I remember going into the website, and I found an interesting statistic saying that 88% of wildfires are started by humans. Almost 9 out of 10 wildfires nationwide are started by human beings, and they could have been prevented. And it's the same thing. I, I'm telling you that because it's a metaphor. It's the same thing with our words. Only we can prevent these wildfires that we start with the words that we speak. And I know that you've probably seen these wild forest fires that are ignited and take a hold of acres of land and destroy millions of dollars in property and their damage. You don't have to imagine much to be able to visualize the damage that it causes, how something so small can cause something so great to take place. There's a logical correlation to this because this is what James is saying, verse 6. He says the tongue also is a fire. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. And I wish that everybody here was paying attention, probably listening to me, because this is important. This can change your life. James is saying, listen, your words have the potential to do endless evil. Every kind of evil can be initiated by your mouth, by the words that you speak, by the words that come out of your mouth. Murder can be initiated because of an argument. Divorce can be initiated because of what you say. And war has been started over words. I want you to know there are power, there is power in words. And James is saying it corrupts the whole body. It corrupts the whole body. And all of us have stories of how our mouth got us in trouble. We could all sit here and tell story after story of how at one point or another our mouth got us into trouble. And when our mouth got us into trouble, it wasn't just our mouth who got in trouble. You see, when your mouth got you in trouble, it wasn't your mouth who got suspended from school. It was you who got suspended from school. When your mouth got you in trouble in marriage, it wasn't your mouth who got divorced. They divorced you. Listen, I want you to know what James is saying. Your mouth gets you in trouble. Your boss is not going to fire your mouth. He's going to fire you. And we've all seen this even with famous people. The more influence you have, the more powerful your words are. Famous people who have lost their careers because of things they said. They've lost their careers because of things they've said. Your mouth has power. 
When a teenager does something wrong, says something wrong to his mom or dad, it's not his mouth that gets grounded. He gets grounded. And that's what James, I want you to get it because that's what James is saying. That the tongue is like a fire. It, there's a world of evil among the parts of the body and it corrupts the whole body. In other words, when your mouth gets you in trouble, it gets you. You, all of you in trouble. When you say what you shouldn't say, you're the one who gets in trouble. And James says it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. As your words go, so goes your life. And you have the potential to burn down your life. You have the potential to burn down your friendships. You have the potential to burn down your marriage, your career. You have the potential to burn down your future just with words. That's how powerful they are. And I want you to know that we can do something about this. Some of us here this morning have been scorched by the ones that we love most. But their words have done so much damage. Some of us have done so much damage with our words to our kids and to those that we love. And a lot of times when we're confronted by the things that we've said, we end up defending ourselves. And you know how we defend ourselves? We defend ourselves with more words. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. And sometimes just saying sorry doesn't do it. Somebody can be here this morning and say, oh, I was drunk when I said that. You know what? I wasn't thinking when I said that. Or I didn't mean it when I said it. But you know what? It still happened. And even, even if a forest wildfire started by accident, you're still responsible for starting it. Just like you are responsible for all the words that come out of your mouth. If you start it, even accidentally, you're responsible for what you started. Because James says, words are like fire. They corrupt the whole body. They set the whole course of your life on fire. And then it is itself set on fire by hell. There's an evil to the words. When James references hell, he's not talking about the pit of hell. He's not talking about the place that we're going to end up in. He's saying, man, you know, these words are influenced by the devil himself. They're evil. It's like when you say, well, where did that come from? Well, it came from inside of you. It came from inside of you. It's like what Jesus says. You know, that it's not what comes into man that corrupts him. It's what comes out of man because the evil is inside of us already. And that's what we have to understand. That James is saying there's an evil, there's an evil in our words. That a lot of times are influenced by hell itself, by the devil himself. They come from within us. Our corrupt nature, our sin nature. All of us have it. Nobody's exempt from it. For that reason, it's a dangerous thing. Say with me, it's a dangerous thing. All oh, this little thing in here, it's a dangerous thing. Verse 7, James says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But he's talking about not that animals have been domesticated, but that they have been subdued. In other words, what his point is, human nature is not, is not at risk. Of being taken over by animals. Lions, not necessarily, lions have not necessarily been domesticated. We don't have lions as pets necessarily, although some people might. But what he is saying is that the animal, animals in nature do not control us. A lot of times, a lot of us, 
can control them. We can control them. Not that you go up to an animal and you try to control, but it means that we're, we're not at risk. Our lives are not at risk because of animals. And you, you can probably take control with the issue of whatever kind of animal you might have. You know, we, we can control mosquitoes, we can control bees, we can control a bunch of things. But James is saying this, I want you to get it. We can tame a bunch of stuff. We can control a bunch of animals, wild animals. But the one thing humans still cannot control is themselves. We're not at risk of being overtaken by animals. But man, this little tongue right here can really destroy us. We are at risk of being destroyed by our tongues and our words. Verse 8, he says, no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. I, didn't, I was trying to finish on a positive note this morning. And that doesn't seem like it's too positive. But the reason I can't finish on a positive note or at least try to finish on such a positive note is because James himself doesn't finish on a positive note. It's something that we can't tame. It's untamable. Say with me, it's untamable. And that's the reason why it always must be guarded first. That, that should have been a good amen right there. You can't tame it. You can't control it. Say with me, I can't tame it. Say with me, I can't tame it. I can't control it. That's the truth. But you can guard yourself against it. You can guard yourself against it. And that's probably the best news you're going to get out of this message this morning. The best news is that even though we can't control it, even though we can't subdue it, yes, we can guard against it. The tongue is unpredictable. It's unpredictable. And that's why we have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Verse 8, James says, it's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. It's volatile. It's all over the place. And you know what? Our tongues probably should, should include a warning label. Should include a warning label. Should let us know. Be careful. Be aware. Because at any moment, at any moment, our tongues can ruin our careers with our words. They can ruin our lives. They can ruin our marriages. They can ruin our relationships. They can ruin what we've worked so hard for for so long. And James is saying, man, listen, get this. The tongue is unpredictable. Say with me, unpredictable. Verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. You don't think it's unpredictable? Just Listen, this is how unpredictable the tongue is. With your tongue, you can praise God. And then you can go ahead with the same tongue, you can curse somebody. That's how unpredictable that tongue is. And you want to know how unpredictable it is? Look at nature. Not even nature does that. Because he says, verse 10, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brother and sister, this should not be. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer is, no. not even nature can do that. That's how miraculous your tongue is. Can a fig tree bear olives? No. Can a grapevine bear figs? He's asking. The answer would have been no. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
Nature can't do that. But you know what can do that? Our tongues. Our mm -hmm. tongues. Out of our tongues can come fresh water and salt water. That's not good. <laughs> that means it's unpredictable. It's untamable. It's hard to control. It's hard to control. And if that wasn't sad enough to end on that note, James basically just drops the argument there. And you know that what's shocking is that that's where he ends his message. It's like if I was to say, I'll see you guys next week. It was awesome to be with you. Great. That's it. That's all there is. There's basically no hope for our tongues when they're under our control. But thank God that we serve one who is more powerful than us, who has the power to change and to transform. You see, James doesn't finish with any suggestions, no helpful application, really no hope. His point is, listen, there is no once and for all solution to this. Your tongue has gotten you in trouble. It's going to continue getting you in trouble. It's unpredictable. But here's one thing that we can do, and I can leave you with something positive. You probably can't take your tongue, lock it up, and I say, you can't put it in a cage like you put your dog when he's bad. It's always with you. You're going to take it wherever you go, and the only thing you can do is try to manage it. So what do we do? What do we do? The only thing we can do is remember, surrender, and confess. Remember the power of your words. Say with me, remember the power of your words. Surrender your words and your tongue to God. And say to God, help me, God, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. That should be your prayer every single day. I remember praying with the Jewish man, and he taught me, that they pray in a certain way. By taking the first five books of the Bible, what they call the Torah, right? And they each are applied to the five senses. So he prays, Lord, this morning I pray that you will guard my eyes, guard my hands with the sense of touch, my feet wherever they go. Lord, guard my mouth so that I won't speak what I don't have to. Guard my ears so that I won't have to hear the things that I shouldn't hear. That should be a prayer that we should do daily. We should pray, God, Help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remember, remember that your words are powerful. Surrender your mouth to God. And then number three, confess. When you do say something that you shouldn't say, just own it. Accept it. Accept it. Don't make excuses for it. Let's own it. When we say things that we shouldn't say to our kids, let's own it. Let's confess it. Let's repent of it. Let's ask God for forgiveness. And let's go to the people that we do offend with our words and let's ask for forgiveness. And a sorry might not be enough, but at least it's a start. And I don't know if you're here this morning and you say, man, that's me. I've been struggling myself. I know my mouth has gotten me in trouble plenty of times. In my marriage, in my relationships, in my family, in my job, it has cost me. 
it has cost me. And I realize that, yes, I realize that I don't have the power to be able to control it. It's untamable. It's unpredictable. But today I recognize that I have to surrender to God. I have to surrender my mouth, my tongue. I have to surrender it to him. I have to give it to God. Let him take control of it. And be willing to confess and ask for forgiveness whenever it does get me in trouble because it will happen. Stand to your feet this morning. Come on, this is a moment for you right now. This is a moment for you right now to say to God, God, as we're almost in mid-year, we're almost at what is the half of this year. I ask you to help me change this in my life. I don't want to continue for the rest of this year allowing for my tongue to get me in trouble. Today I surrender to you. I give, I give my life to you. But overall, God, take my mind, take my mouth, take my tongue. Holy Spirit, and help me to take control. So that when I speak, I can only, I will speak what you want me to speak. Lord, help me to remove any negative words that come out of my mouth. Negative words that I might feel like I should speak over people, Lord. Help me to control that. Even negative thoughts, negative words that I speak to myself. Declare, I am a child of God. I will no longer speak to myself using words that are damaging. I put my confidence in you this morning, God. I will eliminate any type of language and words that do not produce blessings. any type of words and language that are not life-giving. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, to depend on you. Here I am right now, God. And I ask you, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Just cry out to God this morning. Let your mouth bless him this morning. Let it praise his name. Come on, give it to him this morning. Say, God, I dedicate my mouth, my tongue to you. Like Paul said, I will sacrifice my body. Give it to you as a living sacrifice. I will offer it to you. Receive it as a living sacrifice, God. It belongs to you, God. Only you, Holy Spirit, can take control.
say God I surrender just break that cycle bring healing to the hearts right now bring healing Holy Spirit to the hearts of those that have been damaged by words heal in the name of Jesus restore right now make whole in the name of Jesus I declare God that you will fill them with a God given confidence confidence that comes from you that, will, they, that they will no longer live bound by the words that somebody spoke over them, bound by the curses that somebody spoke to them. I declare today that bondages are broken in the name of Jesus. Bondages of hurtful words, damaging words. I declare restoration, restoration. In the name of Jesus, I restoration. Come on.
Savior, I surrender. As they continue singing, can you do something this morning? Can you can you grab your wife, your husband, your children? Can you embrace this morning? I declare restoration over marriages this morning. I declare restoration over families and children this morning. Hurtful words that were spoken from parents to children and from children to parents, from wife to husband, husband to wife. I declare right now, God, that you begin to do a work of restoration, of healing right now. for joining us special thanks to those who give i hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you did please subscribe share take a screenshot tag us and i'll see you next time